And good morning, and welcome to a special edition of Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV AM and FM. We are streaming as well at WDEVradio.com. I am Steve Cormier. I am the general manager of the Radio Vermont Group and especially WDEV. And this morning we are remembering our boss, our friend, a legend, Ken Squire, who passed away last night uh, shortly before 9 o'clock surrounded by his family at Central Vermont Medical Center. Uh, we knew this day was coming, even though it's here. We're still not prepared for it. Uh, this is an incredible loss, not just for us here at WDEV, but this community, this state, this nation, and sports fans around the world. He is the last great American storyteller from a generation of great storytellers, and he was one of the best. I know people like to talk about Vince Scully, but Ken Squire was one of the best. And we mourn his loss, and we pass our thoughts and prayers along to his family this morning. I'm joined by Kaya Winchell and Lee Cattell. Uh, Kaya, who spent over 40 years with Mr. Squire, and Ken uh, and uh, Lee over 20 years. And good morning to both of you. Good morning. And my my, my uh, condolences to both of you and everybody here at WDEV and our listening Thank audience. Thank you. Uh, not an easy morning. I know that if Ken were with us, he would not be happy that we were doing this. <laughs> we are focusing on Ken Squire right now. He did not like that no. at all. I would have be... to tell him, in the spirit of staying in the relevance of the news of the day, we have to talk about you. That's that's what he wanted us to do. Good. He wanted us to talk about the news, and uh, he is breaking news everywhere. He is... Trending on X, there are people talking about him everywhere on Facebook and with the NASCAR community. Just go to the WDEV Facebook page and you can see all the comments mm-hmm. from people uh, who are going to miss Ken Squire. And we'd love to hear from you this morning, by the way. Uh, 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. If you'd like to talk about a memory of Ken, a thought about Ken, how you felt about Ken, uh, 99% of people love Ken. Kaya's saying, well, there might be a few out there. I've never met him. <laughs> I think he was one of those men that you loved him, but at times, uh, you just wanted to... Oh, but deep down, you loved him, you didn't know? I, didn't I say that about you at your yeah, going away party much. Friday? And yeah. Lee is sort of giggling, so I assume you feel the same way. It just amazed <laughs> me how Ken reached into so many different aspects of Vermont life, whether it was the broadcasting world, the racing world, mm-hmm. the music world with the Vermont Symphony Orchestra. He just was able to reach uh, so many people in so many different ways and, and connect with all of the key figures in those areas here in Vermont, Phil Scott, our uh, governor, has already passed along a statement, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll read it for you here this morning. Governor Phil Scott issued the following statement. Today, we mourn the loss of a true Vermont legend and a dear friend to me and so many others. Much will be made in Vermont and across the country of the NASCAR Hall of Famer's extraordinary contributions to racing from his time in the booth at CBS where he coined the phrase the Great American Race to his founding of the nation's site of excitement at Thunder Road in Barrie. His impacts on the sport are too numerous to count and he deserves every one of those recognitions and many more. But Scott continued, but for me, what I will remember most was his friendship and deep devotion to his community, which was the entire state. 
Ken was always looking for opportunities to give back and help those in need. He instilled those values as the backbone of Radio Vermont, which has been an essential part of the fabric of Vermont since its creation, always finding new ways to support more and more Vermonters. I will always cherish the memories of all the time we spent together and be thankful for his mentorship, humor, creativity, and passion. From the booth, he often described those racing as common men doing uncommon things, but in reality, he was describing himself, because Ken was indeed a very common man who did extraordinary things. The remarks of Governor Phil Scott on the passing of Ken Squire. I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things was uh, sitting in that office um, and the stories he would tell. Um <laughs> Uh, just about a month ago, he was in there with his uh, son-in-law, Robbie Crouch, and someone had sent him a bunch of photos of racetracks in Vermont. And without even looking at the back of the picture, he looked at the track and knew exactly where it was. Every track. I, I was surprised to know there were several tracks in Colchester, but he knew the difference between each photo of what that track was. And then he came across a car, and he said, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so's car. He would flip it on the roof every race. And I was just amazed. I mean, the memory of things that went on so many years ago were crystal clear to him. Um uh, stories from you guys? And yet I was uh, Skippy for so many years because he couldn't remember my name. <laughs> Actually, it was Sporty. Hey, Sporty. Sporty. Yeah, you know, I have a name. So you're right. He's, uh, that, that racing was very important to him and wonderful stories. Yeah, you had to stay here a while before you'd start to build a name for yourself. I think it was about two years before he'd actually let me talk on the air. And... Uh, uh, and eventually I would pipe in during the midday yeah. sports program, and it was always fun to be a part of that gathering. Yeah. That's where I learned about WDEV. First, The first thing I learned was that's where you go to find out whether school was canceled or not. <sighs> and then the next thing was to graduate to that, that noon hour where Ken Sports and Paul Harvey's news were like back-to-back, <laughs> and I said, boy, that's a solid half hour right there. <laughs> and uh, that sports program was part of what got me... Hooked in every day to this radio station. Yeah, yeah. I think we we all knew who Ken was before we got here. Um, and I still remember uh, that I had to interview in front of him to get the job. Tom Beardsley was retiring, and I was going to be the new salesperson, the sales manager, basically. And I was told, well, Ken wants to talk to you first before we do anything. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. This guy, what's he going to ask me? He is Mr. Prepared, right? He's going to come at me with I don't know how many questions, and I better be ready to answer all of them. So I meet him down at the park row. I get a cup of coffee. He has a cup of coffee. I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm a little nervous. I don't know what he's going to ask. And the only thing he says to me is, so you're going to take the job? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't ask if you were a cat man or a dog man, because that seemed to be very important to him. I sat in on several interviews where, oh, Susie, uh, you look like you've got the requirements. Uh, you like cats or dogs? Well, I'm a cat person. Ah, you're not hired. <laughs> Let's see if there's any more resumes on file around here. The phone numbers are open and the lines are open if you would like to call in and uh, tell some stories about Ken Squire. Uh, 
877-291-1777, or you can call us toll-free at 877-291-8255. We do have certain guests lined up that we're going to be talking to. Governor Jim Douglas will be joining us. I just got an email from Tom Beardsley. He'll be nice. calling in a little bit later on. Jasper Goodman, uh, he'll be uh, joining us at some point. Uh, Anson Tebbets as well. Um, so we're going to go back in time and talk to people who work with Ken and some of the stories that they have. And the number of people that I think, and I've been thinking this uh, for the past several days, the number of people that I believe owe uh, uh, a lot of their gratitude to Mr. Squire is amazing. I mean, Anson Tebbets uh, started here for a while. I guess uh, uh, an intern uh, did our news and then went to uh, WCAX and where he is now. Uh, I think uh, a lot of that is perhaps uh, due to Ken Squire uh, and uh, Dave Moody, certainly. Uh, boy, I, I imagine Ken was a big mentor for Dave Moody. Let me mention that tonight, Brady Farkas is going to do a 90-minute sports show all about Ken and Dave Moody's going to be a part of that. Nice. Nick Mumley's going to be a part of that, the guy who's now calling our races at Thunder Road, and there'll be several other uh, celebrities calling in from the NASCAR world uh, with Brady tonight as well. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go to the phones. I see that former Governor uh, Jim Douglas is on the line uh, joining us this morning. Good morning, Governor. Good morning, Corm. Uh, A sad day, but a day to celebrate the life of an outstanding Vermonter and uh, a great guy. Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of stories that you have to take to your grave about, Ken, but what are a few that, uh, what are a few stories you might be able to tell us about on the air, Governor? Oh, yes, this is a family radio station, after all. That doesn't um, matter, Governor. No. no. <laughs> well, I don't want to jeopardize your license, uh, gang, you know. Um, well, I don't know, where do I start? Uh, it, it was a privilege in 2007 to present Ken the Vermont Chamber of Commerce Citizen of the Year Award at a dinner in his honor for his many contributions to our our great state, uh, one of many honors that he accrued over the course of a, a tremendous career and, and life. I think uh, one uh, memory that will always stick with me is the cow chip throwing contest at Thunder Road um, uh, during uh, um, uh, the election years, every other year, of course, uh, um, between uh, heats of the uh, featured race. Ken would bring us all out in the infield all of us uh, were running for office it was a very humbling experience and we would uh, choose from a large barrel of uh, these uh, dried uh, um, discus shaped uh, um, uh, pieces of uh, refuse uh, and uh, and see how far we could throw them and of course the candidate who threw the farthest won the contest and i, I remember thinking at the time i don't know if i want to win this you know i mean Politicians are always accused of slinging it, right? So maybe it'd be better not to win. You know, anyway. uh, Ken is a Vermonter, obviously, first and foremost. But uh, what he did uh, in the sports world, I mean, he did cliff diving at Acapulco. He he, he did the Olympics, uh, PGA golf. Obviously, everybody remembers him. Did he really do cliff diving or a broadcast uh, announce that? Yeah, he or announced did, it. No, okay. he, did, he okay. didn't jump in. <laughs> I was say. He didn't jump in. Uh, but, you know, he started his NASCAR uh, career back when he was 14 years old in Morrisville. He talked about that at the Hall of Fame. How 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 proud were you, Governor, and, and the members of the people of the state of, about what Ken, who Ken was and the fact that he was a Vermonter? Well, uh, incredibly proud uh, in, in several different respects. Uh, first of all, um, the, the conversation we're having now is on a medium that doesn't exist in a lot of places 
probably most places around the country now. Small town radio has been really challenged economically, and and uh, Ken was determined throughout the course of his life to to keep WDEV live and local, and it's uh, provided such an amazing resource for uh, for Vermonters. Um, it's the only place to get vital information about what's going on uh, in the moment. And I think of the flooding we've had, even going back to 1992. I, I may have told you the story before, but I was Secretary of State then when the downtown Montpelier was flooded. And I thought I was going to be in the office overnight because I didn't know how to get off the hill there on Terrace Street. But WDEV had uh, information about how to go uh, south, uh, west on Terrace Street, um, take some turns on dirt roads I never heard of in Middlesex and get over to the interstate. And, and so if it weren't for WDEV, uh, I wouldn't have gotten home that night. It's just, you know, there's so many examples of uh, the critical information that the station has provided. But as you said, uh, Corm, uh, his reputation and reach was far beyond the borders of the Green Mountain State. Uh, he was a pioneer in uh, broadcasting, especially uh, motor racing. Uh, and he's really the guy who, um, who, who began the uh, the uh, uh, I was going to say gavel to gavel, uh, uh, flag to flag uh, or gun to flag uh, broadcasting of um, of motor racing, uh, because a lot of folks thought it would be boring. Nobody wanted to watch that. I mean, just cars running around in circles or whatever. But Ken made it exciting with his uh, uh, commentary, uh, very vivid at times, as we know, and it became uh, uh, literally the the most uh, watched sport in the country. Um, he's the guy who who thought up uh, the idea of putting uh, cameras in cars so he could get a, a driver's view of going around a, a track. I mean, he was just such an innovator. And, of course, that enthusiasm carried back to his home state with not only the purchase of Thunder Road, but uh, also Catamount Stadium up in Milton. I remember going there back in the old days, too. So he was a visionary. Um, he uh, he was uh, energetic. He was uh, committed to the Green Mountain State, and um, he's somebody whose uh, legacy is going to be remembered for a very long time. It's funny you mentioned uh, that Ken is the guy who, who brought NASCAR forward. I just read a tweet or from X, whatever it's called these days, from Dale Earnhardt Jr. Ken Squire was there when NASCAR was introduced to the rest of the world in 1979. For the Daytona 500, I'm convinced that race would have not had its lasting impact had Ken not been our lead narrator. We still ride the wave of that momentum created on that day. Ken's words and energy were perfection on a day when NASCAR needed it. I am forever grateful for his major role in growing star car racing. Rest in peace. That is from Dale Earnhardt Jr. Governor, thank you for your time this morning, and, and thank you for your continued support of WDEV. I know you're hosting Vermont Viewpoint in a couple of weeks, so uh, we'll see you in person here, Governor, and appreciate your time. Well, thanks for inviting me, uh, Coram. I appreciate that, too, and best wishes to the team. Former Governor Jim Douglas joining us. Uh, we've got phone calls lined up. Tom Beardsley's uh, on the line. We're going to get to him at some point as well. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to a special edition of Vermont Viewpoint, honoring the life of Ken Squire on WDEV. 
Hey, we're back, and good morning. It's Steve Cormier, the general manager of the Radio Vermont Group, joined by Lee Cattell and uh, Kaya Como, who just retired Friday, and she's back working That's already. That's right. I'm back working already. Told uh, you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a young man here a few years ago, James Atherley. Yes. Um, he was only here for a long time. He posted on Facebook that uh, he came to WDEV at a low point in his uh, life. He had His mom had passed away, but he was very excited to uh, meet Ken Squire, and this is where Ken Squire comes in as a really good mentor. You know, if he if he liked you, he'd take you under his wings. Uh, James uh, Atherley says he was kind, supportive, and freaking hilarious. The man loves too, which in itself is a guarantee that he was a good man. Uh, and he says, ever the racing fam- fan himself, on a day when the rains came pouring down on Thunder Road International Speed Bowl, James Atherley continues, he took me out on the track to help with the drawing effort. There we were in his Mini Cooper driving full speed on a quarter mile high banked asphalt masterpiece of construction. Only Ken would try to, to dry a, a track with a Mini Cooper. But that does sound like our Ken Lee Dean. I was here less than a month and I got in the back seat and you were in the front seat of that Mini Cooper. We had to go to Blush Hill. I thought I was going to die. I think we all I thought, thought I was we going to die. die. It was like the road out of here up the Blush Hill was Thunder Road to him. Yeah, he had a heavy foot. There was no doubt about it. He would <laughs> and, get right on and it. And when we're done with our next caller, I'll tell you my car story with Ken Squire. All right. We got Cindy from North Faston who's joining us this morning. Good morning, Cindy. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Um, when I got up this morning, the sun was just rising up over the mountains, and I, I heard the news of Ken Lee's passing. So I sat in the sun for a while reflecting. And the only time I ever saw Kenley in person was uh, at the Rusty Memorial Park uh, at, on Thursday at the farmers market. And it was pointed at, when it was pointed out to me that that was Ken, I walked up to him and held up my hand and and uh, shook it, shook his hand, and he was perusing slowly with his hands behind his back and. And uh, he, I held up my hand and, and shook his hand, and I said, oh, hi, I'm Cindy, and I listen to you every day. And he, he patted the back of my hand, and he said, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> that sense of humor. That, that sense yeah. of humor. Well, thank you for the call, Cindy. Much appreciated. Sure. Uh, the phone numbers, by the way, 802-244-1777, toll-free, 877-291-8255. Long-time member of our family is going to join us now. Uh, he retired a number of years ago, but he seems to come back every year, especially for the classic car show, and that is uh, Tom Beardsley is on the line. Good morning, Tom, and my condolences to you. Good morning, Corm. And uh, before I say anything else, I just I want to send my love to Ashley, Travis, Sherry, Elizabeth, Susan, and Robbie. I just want them to know that I'm with them in spirit this morning and I know they're suffering, and they've been through a lot over the past uh, several weeks, months, even a couple of years, and and they've just done a wonderful job for for our Kenley. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. And you worked with Mr. Squire for a long time. Um, what, what was your first day like here under Ken Squire? <laughs> well, you know, at that point in time, we're talking 1973, uh, at that point in time, Kenley was – 
working his way up. He had uh, he had done a little bit as the Motor Racing Network on radio, and uh, he had yet to make his bones as the announcer for the Daytona 500 and, and NASCAR on television on CBS. Uh, so it was a different Ken than we knew in recent years. He didn't have quite the fame and and the glory that he's had in the in the past couple of decades. So it was a different atmosphere. But I remember the first time I met him, I was in the upper, the second floor of Radio Vermont, and I had been working uh, on the air late in the afternoon and the evening. And this tall, lanky guy comes uh, hobbling up the stairs and walks through the office. And uh, one of the other fellows there said, that's Ken, that's Ken Squire. And he was held in awe even at that point in time. And and uh, it went on from there. He was a great mentor to me over the years. I I was telling uh, my partner Charlene here this morning that uh, what a fortunate event it was for me, a fortunate turn of events for me to find myself at WDEV back in those years and then to spend so much of my career there and be able to work in the shadow of a legend and learn from him. And, and just uh, it was just a great experience. If I may, Corm, just I, I want to say something about Ken that I know some people will touch on, but Perhaps uh, most people will be serious here this morning, but Ken was like his father in some respects that he was a poet. Uh, Lloyd Squire, the old Squire, was a poet, and Ken carried on that tradition. I mean, who could ever forget phrases like, put your teeth in a jar, mother, and grab your bonnet, they're coming around turn four, <laughs> or, or you bet your bippy, or my goodness, my purple bunny. And then, of course, there were those words that rang across America on that uh, winter morning in February. And there's a fight. And, of course, the great American race. He coined that phrase, and it lives today. And as Dale Earnhardt Jr. said earlier on, on a post on uh, X, I guess it is these days, Ken Squire is greatly responsible for everything that's happened in NASCAR since then. Fortunes have been made, product endorsements, racers that uh, have made millions, stadiums or, or racetracks that have been built all across America. I'm not sure any of that would have happened had it not been for a man that had the vision to go to CBS in 1979 and say, look, this sport that is widely regarded as basically a Southern phenomenon could have a national audience. And he was a salesman and he cajoled them and he he kept pushing until he finally got his way in the 1979 Daytona 500 broadcast is now a great part of history. Tom Beardsley is joining us. And in my short time working with Tom, he is one of the great storytellers. Um, mm. Is there a story that stands out in your mind, a moment with Mr. Squire or a time with Ken um, that you could share with us? I'm sure there are a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, and I apologize, Beard, but uh, Beards, but uh, you, 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 you weaved your words pretty well uh, in, in the time I was around with you, and I'm sure you've got a story or two about Ken you probably can share with us. Well, the one, the one that comes to mind, and you've heard it before, and I, I think you're setting me up kindly, Norm, <laughs> and I'll, I'll take the bait. Uh, we used to broadcast, as you know, the, the, the uh, antique and classic car meet every summer, uh, and at this, the time of this story, it was in Stowe. 
Well, any broadcaster, local broadcaster will tell you, when you go out to do a remote broadcast, the first order of business when you arrive uh, at the venue on, on the scene is to make sure that the telephone line that links you back to the radio station is in good operation. Well, we arrived at the field, Nichols Field, uh, just off Route 100 in Stowe, early in the morning on Saturday morning, and sure enough, the telephone line was not working. Uh, no dial tone. So Kenley was there, and Kenley got a little heated up about it, and he called, said, call those people at the phone company. Get one of those guys down here. Let's get this fixed. So I did, and sure enough, a fellow from the phone company uh, came down, and we were in the center of the field. The fo- telephone line is buried underground over to a telephone pole uh, adjacent to Route 100. So the telephone guy tries to get a dial tone, couldn't get it, goes over to the telephone pole, which is probably 50 yards away, and he fusses around and he tries this and he tries that. And finally, he gives us a thumbs up from the side of the road and that indication that the telephone line is now working. So I pick it up and we connect the line and sure enough, there's a dial tone. Great. Everything's going well. So we began our broadcast and we go through the morning and about 10 o'clock that morning, Senator Patrick Leahy comes along, as he often did at the at the Stowe Car Show. And uh, we immediately put him on the air, and we do an interview with uh, Senator Leahy. And uh, it's going well, and, and uh, we're, it's a fluff interview, nothing serious, no politics, nothing like that. And we're talking with uh, Senator Leahy, and at that moment in time, a woman's voice comes on the line and says, I don't know, but there's a goddamn radio station on my phone. <laughs> Well, Billy's eyes turned as big as saucers, as did the senators. And we said, well, we'll send it back to you at the station now, Jack Donovan. And we proceeded to go on with our broadcast after that. Well, Mrs. Leahy, Marcel Leahy, comes over to me after that, and she says, Beards, did you get that on tape? Was that recorded? And I said, well, let me check with Jack Donovan. And I called Jack back at the radio station. And I said, Jack, did you get it? And he said, yeah, we got it. And I told Mrs. Leahy that we got it. And she said, Beards, you got to get me a copy of that. I've been telling people in Washington, D.C. about this radio station for 20 years. And then I said to her, to Ken, so Ken, this is how your radio station will be talked about on the cocktail hour circuit in Washington from now on. <laughs> it was a party line. Am I not mistaken? Is that what they hooked you up to? Apparently so, or somehow we've been connected to, to a line that some poor woman wanted to use at that point in time. And, and I apologize after the fact for the language, but it's a true story. Oh, man. And, Why and, the hell's the damn radio station on my telephone? <laughs> I love that. Oh, my Tom, thanks for your time this morning, man. I, I appreciate you taking time out to give us a call and, and, and kind of reminisce about Ken a little bit this morning. <laughs> My pleasure, and thank you so much, everyone. I love you all. Tom Beardsley, the former uh, sales director here at uh, WDEV for many, many years, and I was the guy that replaced him. I don't know how I did it. Uh, <laughs> I think we all have a memory of Ken uh, driving. As uh, you said, you and Lee were petrified to go up the hill. I I know uh, Beardsley has a, had a couple of stories about driving down the center of Main Street with oncoming traffic headed right towards him, and Ken seemed oblivious to it, but... 
my car story is I was I started here when I was 19 and I had just bought my first car I felt so grown up. I had a little Nissan Sentra that cost, I think, about $8,000, but that was big to me. Uh, Mr. Squire, who I, I don't think I really had formed a, uh, a relationship with him. He was just the tall, lanky owner that would breeze in and out when I started, but he comes up to me and, uh, Sporty, I need your car. Uh, uh, Okay, here here are the car keys, and I tell him which car it is, and I see my little Nissan Sentra go down uh, down Stow Street, stop at the light, and he turns left as if he's going to go towards the interstate, and I hear, (laughs) and I thought, take it out of second gear, good God, man. And yep. I could just about hear my, that little Nissan Sentra screaming all the way to Montpelier. He uh, was in my car, but never drove it. I'll say that. <laughs> you are a lucky man. Yeah. All right. It is, uh, it's a special edition of Vermont Viewpoint. It is 9.35 here on your Thursday morning. We're here this morning because our, uh, our boss, um, Ken Squire passed away last night, uh, just before nine o'clock. Um, I think everybody here at WDEV, knew the day was coming uh the last couple of days mm-hmm. everything that ken has been through in his life this this small little infection uh is what got him in the end uh and we're all blessed to have spent whether it's a week with him or 40 years like kaya with him um just the memories of of ken and uh, how good of a man he was i think i told kaya earlier that i was joking that uh when i first started here that i was going to be working so many hours i was going to need a bed and he was ready to buy me a new bed but he thought it was a bed from my home but that's what he would do he he really helped so many people at his time here and not just here but everywhere we're going to take a quick break uh we've got more people on the phone if you want to call and reminisce about ken we're going to be doing this till about 11 o'clock this morning 802-244-1777 toll free 877-291-8255 i know lee is going to take a look at uh, what nascar is saying on x and he's going to share some of those comments with us coming up as well it's a special edition of vermont viewpoint as we remember Ken Squire on WDEV. It is 9.40 here on your uh, Thursday morning. It is Steve Cormier, the general manager of the uh, Radio Vermont Group and WDEV, along with Kaya Coma. Lee Cattell uh, is in the newsroom as well. We're going to get to Lee in a sec. I thought the, the phones are jammed up, so I know we want to get to the calls, but you... I have you a, a couple of stories how generous Ken Squire could be and how he could be so tighter than bark to a tree okay spam for christmas so i was uh talking to i believe he is our fire chief gary Dillon in waterbury saw him yesterday and uh he was saying that as a young young man uh 16 17 he used to do some work at the squire house and here at wdev and he got talking to ken one day and again uh, uh gary i guess uh being a young guy thought what the heck i'm gonna go for it he asked ken if he could get tickets to daytona 500 and ken said well you know those tickets are kind of hard to come by but let me see what i can do uh gary said ken made a few phone calls uh talked to uh, uh several people and then said well i can get you tickets but 
they're in the pits. Is that going to be okay for you? <laughs> in the pits? Oh, yeah, that's okay. Gary just had to get himself down to Florida, but Ken gave him the, the pit ticket. So uh, generosity. But on the other hand, if you were an employee, a four-ounce can of Spam at Christmas time, that was your bonus. I was going to give everybody Spam this year at Christmas <laughs> in memory of Ken. Uh, that is a legendary story that I that never is. saw. But uh, All right. <laughs> We're going to get to the phones, and I apologize. I know there's a lot of people lined up here, uh, so let's get let's Mike Donahue. Can we get the Mike Donahue? I know Mike's got to run. Mike Donahue uh, worked at the Free Press for a lot of years, still doing reporting. Mike, good morning and welcome. Morning, Quorum Kaya. Sad day all across uh, Vermont. Uh, and Kaya, I, I, I could appreciate that story about. Uh, <laughs> Generous but tight. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> he was. I, I, well, he. You know, I, I, I'll tell you one quick story. And, and uh, uh, Eric Michaels was trying to raise funds for the Fourth of July uh, fireworks, and uh, they were having uh, people call in and offer uh, donations, uh, whatever pledges. And I called in and I said, "Okay, I want this anonymous. I'll offer fifty dollars." on the condition that Ken Squire provide $50 out of his own wallet and not out of the WDEV checkbook. <laughs> so how'd that so work out? Eric, <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric rode that one for quite a while, uh, over several days, you know, and everything like that. And, and Ken never knew. And I think it was a year or two later, he was hosting one of the call-in shows, and I happened to be on, and we were talking. And I don't know what it was, whether Fourth of July was coming up again, and I made a crack about the, the pledge. And he said, yeah, I never found out who it was. And of course, I had to say, well, Ken, I'll tell you, it was me. And, and you know, as he always could do, he'd pretend he was mad, and he basically, you know, swore and said, and he hung up on me, and he said, well, that's the end of this conversation with Mike Donnie. Bam! <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know? And then he called me later, and he said, how'd that go? You know? <laughs> Mike, I'd, but, I'd love to keep you on longer. I've got I've got a number of phone. Let me one other quick one. Go ahead. I'll just tell you, down in the National Sports Writers Sportscasters Association, when we're down there for the annual thing, uh, conference, uh, we got to uh, get a ride at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and the drivers would take each of the state winners around and everything. But there was a rule that 80 miles an hour was the highest they would go. And I was the last one in, and I was talking to the guy, and where are you from, Vermont? Oh, do you know Ken Squire? I said, of course I know Ken Squire. And I started telling Ken Squire's stories. Next thing I know, we're up to 120 miles an hour on the bank to Oval. <laughs> and, on, and somebody says later to me, I think you went faster than 80. And I said, yeah, because I knew Ken Squire. That's why. That was payback so, yeah. for that $50, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, Mike. Appreciate your okay. time this morning. Well, guys, thank you. We are, uh, we're remembering Ken Squire this morning as Ken passed away last night at the age of 88 years old. Um, I see we have Anson Tebbets. We're going to get to you in just a second, Anson. I know John from Milton has been waiting for a while. John, good morning and, and welcome. And, and uh, what would you like to say about Ken this morning? Good morning, Quam. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for taking the time to have this uh, radio program this morning. Um, and uh, my condolences to all of you. I think I just want to say two things quickly. One is, you know, there's 
a lot of DJs out there, but some people are broadcasters, and I think he as well as you in that room have found over your careers a voice and a heart and a personality and a certain amount of knowledge can really affect things locally and certainly in his case nationally. Um, and I think that's an amazing thing when you can think about it. Uh, but secondly, I just want to say growing up in Milton, I'm of the generation that Catamount Stadium was a real fixture here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my dad was friends with some of the drivers and people that worked at the track. So I spent quite a bit of time there when I was younger. And when I talk about voices and broadcasting, I think my story, which may be funny, may be poignant, but when he would call races there, you know, I never met the man back then, but I certainly recognize his voice. You would only hear his voice when the cars were on the back straightaway. <laughs> you know, basically, when they came to turn four through turn one, his voice would be drowned out by the motors, especially the mini stocks. So it was always kind of funny when he was calling a race that you'd only hear a part of what he was saying while the cars were on the track, right? But he put as much energy and effort and professionalism into calling races for those local drivers as he did years later when I went national. And I still remember the first time I saw him working at CBS, and I said, oh, okay, well, now I can hear everything he's saying, <laughs> right? It was amazing. But I just think the fact that he took it so seriously, and I think what I witnessed as a young person at Catamount and how he, you know, supported the sport and, you know, really gave the, the drivers and their crew pits and everybody their due, uh, you know, played into what came for him later. And I just appreciate it. And certainly it's very easy for me to hear his voice and think about it back then, too. Thanks for the call this morning, John. Uh, much appreciated. Before I came up here at nine o'clock, I was, went back into the archives and, and, uh, there was a, there was a call of a high school basketball championship game, I believe in Waterbury. And listening to that, it was the same Ken Squire that would be calling a national NASCAR race. He gave it everything he had. I don't know if there's a tape of when he was 14 and called that race in Morrisville. My guess is he gave it everything he had when he when he was there doing that at 14 years old. He I, just didn't hold back. Yeah. The passion for calling whatever sport it was, he had it all the time. And and as John said, uh, he treated the the local high school basketball games, the local uh, stock car races. He treated them just as important and uh, made just as big of a deal out of it as if it was Daytona 500. Before yeah. we get to the next call, I know Lee is uh, is looking at what uh, what the NASCAR family is saying this morning. Lee, uh, what, what are the, so, some of the things that you're reading this morning? Well, it, comments coming in from uh, throughout the racing world. The ESPN racing reporter Ryan McGee has issued a, a statement. He said, Ken once pointed to my Captain America ring and said, Of course you like superheroes. We're surrounded by them every weekend at the racetrack. Uh, we heard Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s recent remarks. The Richard Petty family has issued a statement expressing their condolences to the family of Ken Squire. Ken's longtime colleague with Motor Racing Network, Winston Kelly, uh, has passed along some notes saying prayers to his family and RIP, my friend. NASCAR and uh, his longtime colleague Dale Jarrett, NBC Sports, and uh, and many others, all uh, acknowledging uh, Squire's contributions to the racing world and the broadcasting world today. Thank you, Lee. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones now, and I apologize to Anson Tebitz, who's been holding for a while, but let's get to Anson right now, who started his career uh, right here at WDEV. Good morning, Anson. Well, good morning. It's such an honor to be in, uh, on the station this morning as uh, we think about Ken, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I owe so much to Ken, and 
his support of me and my family. And, you know, we're thinking of uh, Elizabeth and Ashley and Travis and um, his sister Sherry and Susan and, of course, uh, his grandchildren, who he, uh, he loves. Um, and um, so just all thinking about it. But what an extraordinary time I had at, at, at WDEV and still have. Uh, still honored to talk about birds every weekend with with our listeners, and uh, what a wonderful man! So, Anson, you started as an intern. Um, do you remember yeah. one of the first times that Ken came up to you and, and gave you advice? Uh, absolutely, and um, you know, my first introduction to WDV, of course, was in the barn. Uh, you know, we, this is a period where there was no internet. Um, one TV station, WCAX, WDEV, a few newspapers. So, you know, I've milked cows and listened to WDEV. And, of course, radio is the imagination. So it opened up a world to me. Um, and I said, gosh, boy, I want, and who, who thinks of that? I'm like, well, maybe I could go to broadcasting school. So I took my gig to, to Boston at Emerson. And, and uh, you know, I think there were two dairy farmers that were at Emerson when I was there in the 80s. Uh, and then during the, the summer, I got to be an intern. So I got to report. I'd go to city council meetings. Uh, you know, I'd go to late-breaking fires. What an opportunity for me. Uh, and I actually would file the reports. Uh, back in the day, you'd have a tape recorder um, and a telephone. So that's how you'd file your reports. And I'd call my reports in in between milking cows. <laughs> um, and Ken, of course, loved that. because you know, Ken is... He loved characters and um, and all the kind of back backstories of people. So he was so supportive of me. And my first paying my actually my first paycheck I really got uh, in the world came from Ken. Um, and I was a copywriter, so I think I may have replaced Kaya of all people. You did. <laughs> uh, I did. So here's this guy who looks probably 12 years old, uh, scared, frightened, um, you know, still milking cows, but coming in. You show up, and I start writing commercials. And, of course, I've been trained to write news copy. So, you know, when you write commercials, you really don't have to be completely factual. You know, you can you can, you can can push the envelope a little better. And you probably should mention the sponsor more than once um, in, <laughs> in the copy. So we quickly transitioned after that experiment uh, to um, the news department, uh, which was during a special period of time. Um, you know, Ken was at probably the pinnacle of his career. He had his CBS broadcasting on the weekends. Uh, he had his production company where he was producing, uh, you know, multiple shows. He was at the Olympics. But all in the middle of that, we were all um, we were all part of his life and part of that whole scene. So remember the fax machine, folks? Do you remember the fax machine? <laughs> we would fax scripts. Uh, to Ken because he would call in his sports show at uh, 12:15 and 5:15, but you never knew where he was going to be. And many times uh, he was on an airplane, so he was U.S. Air, uh, Charlotte to uh, to Burlington or, or wherever he was headed. So he'd be talking away about uh, you know the race, and then he turned to Buddy Baker, his broadcast partner, and he talked with him. And then meanwhile, we'd go back, you know, 10 seconds later, and have the score between Crassbury versus Arlington <laughs> and the Division Four championship from the very auditorium. But it was an extraordinary time. We did, oh, we had so much fun doing stuff. I mean, we do, you know, road races, uh, the Stow 8 Miler. Uh, I remember doing a broadcast in the middle of a snowstorm in Halloween of the half marathon in Waterbury, the car shows. 
Uh, the farm show was important. Another important part about Ken is Ken is a member of the Hall of Fame of the Vermont Agriculture Hall of Fame as well. Uh, not only the NASCAR Hall of Fame, but his, his recognition of his support of agriculture and farming over the years. And uh, so, so many just wonderful stories. But everything, anything we did, we worked hard. We had fun. And what an extraordinary uh, life he had. And, and the contributions to Vermont will be uh, forever with us. Um, and we'll think of him often. And we'll continue to bring our what we learned on the knee of Ken Squire into work every day. Thank you, Anson. Is there anything else you'd like to add uh, before we uh, before we go? Well, um, I, I have one thing that Ken, one of our last discussions we had is I, I got some miniature donkeys. Uh, miniature donkeys, and of course, Ken immediately wanted me to buy a cart, train them, uh, wear a cowboy hat, a big belt buckle, and have them in the Fourth of July parade. So, uh, I, I think I, I, he was ready to buy the cart. All I had to do was train them. So we'll continue to just enjoy life. We'll work hard. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you, Anson. Uh, Anson Tebitz, who started his career here at WDV, yeah, he and he's, he's feeling the emotions that we all are yeah, today. I think so. So, I think um, so. big hug for you, Anson, from all of us. Um, it is Steve Cormie, the general manager, along with Kaya Como, or Kaya Winchell, I apologize. Uh, Ashley Squire is going to be joining us in just a couple minutes. We're also going to talk to Brian Harwood on the phone. Uh, it is uh, five minutes before 10 o'clock. We'll take a quick break, or a break on a special edition of Vermont Viewpoint as uh, we remember Ken Squire on WDEV. We're back here in the uh, Dump Show studio, which is appropriate, I think, uh, as we honor uh, the life and times of our owner and friend and mentor, Ken Squire, who passed away last night at the age of 88 years old. Um, we're all feeling it, uh, whether you hear it in our voice or in our soul, uh, and it's not just the people here. Uh, it's people all over the place who are feeling <clears throat> this incredible loss that we're all feeling. Um, you know, back at our 90th, I remember sitting uh, next to Ken, and I think I said to everybody, Ken, I don't know if you're competitive, but did you know that your dad, Lloyd, owned this place for 44 years, and you only have two more to tie him? Well, at the time of Ken's <laughs> passing, he is at 44 years of ownership of the Radio Vermont Group. So he and his dad are going out together uh, as far as the amount of years that they've owned this company. And what a run it has been for the Squire family. And I know it's tough. Ashley Squire is in the studio with us right now, and uh, she lost her dad last night and one of her great friends and her mentor as well. Mm -hmm. uh, good morning, Ashley, and our condolences. Good morning, Corm. Yeah, I uh, wasn't sure whether I should participate but where else would a squire kid be but in the studio well your father did believe that if somebody's loved one passed away it was best that you work yeah. <laughs> right? that's right he told that he story about that. my sister passing you that's know he right. should be at work he really should be at work the best thing for everyone is to go right, right back to work and you know what he was right I did. I came back to work. I came back to work after my sister passed, and I went back to the funeral. There and, you uh, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know there's a lot of 
a lot of feelings going on with you right now, a lot of memories, and how are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. I find myself in a really good place, and then the grief does come crashing in. I will say that one thing that helps incredibly is all of the prayers, the voices of um, condolences to us and memories of Dad, and just the love. That man was so loved, and how lucky I am to be the daughter of somebody so loved in this community and then in the NASCAR community as well, of course. Can I, what was it like growing up as a squire child? And I'm thinking you have a lot of stories. One of them is uh, Easter morning. What was it like being a young squire? You're not going to make her tell that story, yes, are you? I, I think that I should tell that because story. Because it is so indicative of Ken. Yeah, being a squire child was sometimes an adventure and of course sometimes he was just gone it was a it was a wild ride because like you said when you started here he would breeze into the studio yeah. and breeze out because he was gone 40 weeks of the year then right. covering the racing on tv but um yeah dad is a man with a great sense of humor and that was a part of our childhood always he would read us uncle wiggly but change it to be with toilet humor, which we love. And he loves his toilet humor. Oh, he loves his toilet yeah. humor so much, and we love that. But, yeah, the Easter Bunny story. Can was, you tell that story? Sure, I can. Thank you. know, you. most in most households, well, in many households who observe Easter, maybe the children get up and hunt for their Easter baskets. That's what I did. Right. And we did that a lot. But one year, Dad decided that instead of that, we wouldn't be able to find our Easter baskets because they would be specially presented. And he tied socks around his head, took out his false teeth because he had lost a bunch in a demolition derby, and hopped down the stairs, yes, naked, (laughs) except for the sock ears. And he could barely say his rehearsed words to us, which were, I'm the Easter Bunny, and if you eat this candy, this is what's going to happen to your teeth. That was the Easter morning presentation. So you never really knew what you were going to get with dad, and uh, it was an adventure. My my father never hopped naked down the stairs at Easter, (laughs) only only in the squire family. The socks and the teeth might have been enough, but, you know, to be just wildly naked was the final hilarious thing. That's well, as we said, you know, when stories. he did, when he did any sport, he was passionate, and he wanted to get into it. He did it all it. the way. He yep. did it all the way. All the way. You know, it's funny uh, – People outside of the building or who don't know Kenwell think he is Mr. Prim and Proper. Oh, and then we, and then no. you work with him. And I can remember several times that Ken had some special words every once in a while for you. Yeah. And there were two of them that stuck out in my mind. The first was the word followed by you. If you know what I'm talking about, the word followed by you. And I always felt when he said that to me, he was telling me he loved me. I was just going to say, usually delivered with a little smile and quite lovingly. But yes, yes. in fact, I he did deliver that to Kaya even in the hospital. He did last few days. Yeah, he did. He he came around enough to to give you that you. Yeah, I was there. And I believe I replied right back, and I really did think to myself, this is awful, but this is a special relationship you have with Ken to just swear at him. Let's so. go quickly to uh, Lee Cattell in the newsroom. Uh, you, Ken had all sorts of great off-color stories. In fact, there were a number of them that, that were told during music to go to the dump by, and often they seemed to dwindle down to the tale about where the monkey hid the peanut. <laughs> 
I have a, a, a short story. Uh, this was told uh, by Mark Strusacker. Mark was a, a, a special guy here. He did sales for many, many years. And uh, he said he gets his phone call one day from Ken Squire asking uh, Mark. Now, you have to realize Mark is a hunter. He's, a, you know, everyday Vermonter. He's a good old boy. Uh, Ken calls him up and says, I need you to shoot my wife's beaver. <laughs> And there's a pause. Uh, what? Yeah, my wife's beavers are out in the pond, and I need you to shoot her beavers. Uh-huh. And it's just, that is Ken. You know, there's just that that twist. You don't know. But, yeah, that's Ken. I know there's a guy who's on the line right now that's probably got some stories like that as well. It's probably one of his oldest and dearest friends. <laughs> the uh, they stories. grew up together. They rem- they kept that friendship going all these years. They were partners. And that is Brian Harwood is joining us uh, this morning. Good morning, Brian. Hi, Corm. How are you doing? <laughs> okay. I'm just listening to these stories and thinking, you know, we could go on for the rest of the day and into the night with this stuff. Good Lord. Yeah, I haven't told Bill Sarah that we might have to interrupt this program yet. But, uh, you know, the, the thing about you, Brian and Ken, is that long history that you have. But a lot of that surrounds the dump show uh, and what you guys did for so yeah. many years. Well, it was mostly because of the character that we created. Actually, it was a takeoff on Jonathan Winder's Monty Frickett. And her name was Maud Ferguson. And I went out and bought a, I found at the FC Lewis company somewhere in their cellar, a pair of women's black shoes that fit my feet, nine and a half. And then I found a dress somewhere and I bought a wig and used my father's little spectacles and would appear at these various functions with Ken. Sometimes, um, in fact, there's a picture, I think, in the mezzanine at the station yes. of the two of us. And that was right after Ken had lost several of his teeth in the aforementioned <laughs> uh, demolition derby. Um, you can barely see that. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, it was a, it was a wonderful, uh, uh, what was I? Journey. Journey's the word. You know, Ken, Ken was the best man. No, he was one in my wedding party. He was, uh, he and Rusty Parker and my good friend Jimmy Eisor, who was my best man back in 1962. So, um, prior to that, uh, God, how do I, I'm, I'm trying to place, find a place to start here because there's some interesting One of the things that I just realized is that, um, Bill Riley, who was the head of the news bureau at the Mount Mountain Company up in Stowe, uh, thought it would be a great idea to build a radio station in Stowe. And there happened to be a frequency available, uh, 101.7. So I went to Ken, we went to Ken actually and said, what do you think? So the three of us started WRFB and we broadcast from, uh, up just next to the, uh, ski patrol hut on the top of Mount Mansfield. <laughs> and we were, because we were so high, we were at 35 watts, and which got us basically almost into Morrisville. And um, I got a call one afternoon from the attorney in Washington we were using who said, 
uh, I hate to tell you, but you're in violation of several international treaties, <laughs> and you're getting signal at 35 watts up into Canada, and you can't do that. So we had to move the uh, station, the uh, transmitter rather, down to uh, Paul Percy's Sugar House lot, and down further on, um, right up by his farm. And I've told this story many times, and Ken always loved it. We um, we hooked up to his uh, uh, tapping system, which was a bunch of tubes with a with a pump on it. And when the sugar season started in the spring. Uh, when the pump would go on, the radio station would go off the air. <laughs> so, and we could, we couldn't figure out why until somebody said, "Why? Well, what if there's a connection with the, the sap that's being pulled through the, the tubes there? Sure enough, that's what it was. Uh, then finally we did move it back up, thanks to Ken. I'm trying to think the sequence here. I think that was RFB was then sold. At 101, the frequency at 101.7. And then <laughs> several years later, and Frankie Allen knows this story because he was working there at the time. Ken bought the station from the guy that bought the frequency from us back in whatever that was. And we went on the air as WCVT and then played classical music uh, all day and night until <laughs> there weren't that many listeners for the classical music. So Ken came to the house one day and said, I think we're going to change the format, and it is what it is now, CBT. But that was an example of how Ken would come in, you know, and he saved my bacon more than once, I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, on a, several different little uh, enterprises. And he was a, a really a, a mentor with a capital M. There are many, many people around, including Dave Moody, as he was quick to say, who uh, encouraged his career and you know, Dave, uh, Dave, have you talked to Dave yet today? He is going to be on with uh, Brady Farkas tonight. Okay. Um, Dave did the best roast of Ken Squire I ever heard when Ken turned 60. Ashley will remember that evening very well. Dave, Dave had Ken down to a, to a T. It was perfect. Let's see. Uh, how, how long do you want me to talk here? I could, I could. <laughs> Hey, hey, Brian, Kaya here. I have a question for you. I see uh, Ashley, I believe she texted a message to my husband last night about the Stanley Steamer Dixieland Jazz Band oh my in God, front of yes. T-Bones. What is yeah. that about? He and, um, I'm going to blank on the name. Tom Curley? But, uh, yeah, yes, Tom, yep. Um, started this restaurant in Mallets Bay called T-Bones, and they had the steam, Stanley Steamer uh, Dixieland Jazz Band, and <laughs> uh, the uh, the label that they recorded on was the AJ label. Oh, never... <laughs> it's me, Ashley Jane. For, for Ashley Jane, that's right. And where did the AJ come from? A.J. Foyt. Exactly. He had to have yeah. an A name and a J name, and apparently it was a whole big problem because I wasn't the right same gender as A.J. Foyt, but he worked it out. He worked it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Brian, yeah. we are going to take a break. I, I appreciate your time. I know that you've known Ken for so long there. You're like Ashley's oh, uncle. Yeah. I mean, 
There's so many of those relationships along the way that these special well, people we were that were brother brought in. From a, from a brother from the same mother or something. Yeah. yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Different brother mothers. from a different yeah. mother. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Dad and Brian's friendship really shaped the lives of myself and Brian's daughters, my brother, and now all of the grandchildren. Um, that's, that friendship has been a huge part of these radio stations and all of our lives. So. That's you, Brian. So if you want another four or five hours, we could do that that part of it, too. Part two, part two tomorrow. How's that? We might have to do this again tomorrow, Brian, but thank you for your okay. time this morning. Yeah, it was it was an honor, believe me. We are uh, remembering the uh, the life of Ken Squire, who unfortunately left us last night at about uh, 8.30 or so. Uh, what a remarkable and spectacular life Ken has had. Um, and at 88, it's still too young. Um we're going to take a break. I know we got people lined up on the phone line, including Jasper Goodman, who I'm sure has a few stories about the, the kid and the geezer that he'd love to tell us about. But we'll take a break right now. It's a special edition of Vermont Viewpoint. We're remembering the life of Ken Squire on WDEV. 16 minutes after 10 o'clock on your Thursday morning, it is a special edition of Vermont Viewpoint. Uh, myself, Steve Cormier, the general manager of the Radio Vermont Group, Kaya Como, Kyle Winchell. Keep calling you Como. Thank you. You keep kicking my shins, and uh, I get I it right. <laughs> yeah. Ashley Squire is joining us as well this morning. We're going to be here until about 11 o'clock taking phone calls. Matter of fact, Mary from Randolph Center has been waiting forever. So let's go to Mary. And, uh, Mary, good morning, and thanks for joining us. Oh, good morning. I'm just happy to be on here real quick to uh, remember Ken. And I do uh, offer my condolences to Ashley, her family, and all of you there at the station, his other family. And, uh, you know, we all feel kind of part of his family. Uh, you know, listening to him for so many years on the dump show, it would just uh, absolutely crack me up and a great way to start the morning. Um, but I met Ken one day at lunch at the Blackback Pub. Um, I, I'm on the sales team for Silo Distillery, and I was in there touring around uh, Waterbury and went in to have a little bite. And uh, we started, you know, commiserating and uh, in his inimitable way. <laughs> and uh, it was fun, uh, you know, just a short interaction. And he was finishing up, and he said to the to the woman who was, I think, believe the owner at the time uh put hers on mine too and uh you know i was i was struck struck by it i wasn't surprised by it actually because of just hearing ken all of these years on the radio and kind of knowing of him and uh yeah so it was fun we had talked about elizabeth and i told him that i had one of his his sweaters from his beautiful sheep and you know it was a great conversation he's a lovely man and uh i've i've been sending up prayers for him and all of you so i'm a devoted listener to wdeb so i do do i love you all Thank you, Thank you for that, Mary. Much, much appreciated. I wonder if Ken actually bought his, brought his wallet to lunch that day. See, that's the thing. Or, he or, might say, put that on mine, and then, oh. Oh, I forgot my wallet. I don't have anything to pay with. I think I understand why everybody got spam now, because Ken was buying lunch for everybody. <laughs> that's right. And that's why we got, you that's guys right. got spam for Christmas, exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, Jasper Goodman is on the line, and uh, obviously Jasper has had a long career with Ken, started when he was very young. Got on the air, was doing sports. I did the, you know, the kid and the geezer for a while. Uh, Jasper, I believe, is down in Massachusetts, and he's joining us this morning. Jasper, good morning. 
Good morning, Corm. Good morning, guys. Joining you from D.C., but uh, glad to glad to be here and uh, honored to be on today uh, on a obviously a sad day. But, um, you know, remembering uh, Ken and what a great friend and, and mentor to me that he was and a great, great Vermonter. And I've been, you know, just listening here and, um, you know, so so many great memories. Uh, as you guys know, I, I got Ken when... Uh, uh-oh. I think we've lost Jasper. Oh, no. Looks like the line dropped. So uh, hopefully he'll call back and he can continue one of those great stories. But, yeah. you, you know, Jasper mentions mentoring, and you think of all the people that Ken has yeah. done that for, and you think of people like Dave Moody. Right. You think of people like Anson Tebbets. Uh, Phil Scott said that Ken was a mentor. Mm-hmm. Jasper, who's going to go on to big things as right. well. Hopefully but, Jasper can get back with us. Cause he is He is back. Good. He is back. So, Jasper, welcome back. And I know you were in the middle of a story. Well, I was just going to say, uh, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there, but I was just going to say, I got to know Ken when I was, and, and you guys will probably remember this, when I was nine, because, as you all know, I grew up a huge Red Sox fan, and uh, I was going for this program to become, like, the kid, the Red Sox Kid Nation ambassador for Vermont. And the last round of it was that you needed you needed votes. You needed people to go and vote for you online. And so I called Ken and asked if he would have me on the afternoon sports show and uh, basically went on there. I remember I was in fourth grade and, um, you know, I would leave various school functions to go on and, and come into the studio and ask people to vote for me. And Ken and I, I think, had sort of a hilarious dynamic um, and... You know, I, he sort of, we, I sort of kept coming back and then, uh, we eventually, I guess I convinced him to, convince him and Eric Michaels to let me turn it into a weekly thing. So for, I think almost nine years I did every Tuesday the sports show with him. And, you know, it was the highlight of, of my, my every week, getting to go in and see Ken and be on the air. And looking back on it, I, I honestly can't believe he let me go on the air that much with him when I was that young. Um, I guess I was something of a liability for the station. But, um, you know, and then Ken, 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 you know, kept me around and, um, and had me do all sorts of, of, different things around the station as as you guys know and i'll tell you the one funny thing that he for years was trying to get me to do that i I never quite succumbed to was he would he would in the in the basement of of wdev i don't know what it looks like these days but hasn't changed don't want to (laughs) know yeah yeah well well there's a lot of archives down there for folks who don't know and ken would ken would take me down there or, or tell me to go down there and say you know We'd love to have you organize these archives. And for, for, for years, that was the project he, he wanted me to take on with no clear direction for what that would look like. It would be a uh, monumental task for anyone to take on. So I never did that for him, but, uh, a, a lot of other stuff around the, the station and, um, you know, I, uh, so many great memories of, of Ken. I got to go to a couple of NASCAR races with him, which is when I really realized, you know, what a legend he is in that community. 
um, and though he never quite convinced me to care too much about NASCAR, it was really special to be able to go with him um, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame and also at a couple of, of different races and see sort of how much he meant to people, just, you know, random odd people, fans who would come up to him and just what an icon he was to people. Um, and, um, you know, remembering that today and, and all that he did um, for me, uh, you know, was such a, a special, you know, person in my life, changed my life and was a wonderful uh, mentor and, and, and friend to me. Um, and so thinking of all of you guys today, and it's been a joy listening to, to all these stories and lots of love to, to everyone back at the station, to Ashley and, and everyone back in Vermont. He's a Vermont icon for sure. Thank you, Jasper. I want to follow up on this. Um, that employment opportunity of the basement is still open to you. I know you've graduated from college now. You're probably looking for something, and that's open. Well, you know, it's funny. All, all those years of work, I think I might have made $300 in my time at WBEV, which I never, I never thought much of at the time. But, you know, um, we might, we might need to increase the pay scale a little bit if I'm, if I'm going to come back. Ken, I don't know. Ken, yeah. you know, I, I, I maybe have some, he, he, he uh, you know, the labor law violations, uh, I guess we can gloss over those. I got to tell you, I talked to somebody who worked here several years ago who's thinking of coming back and he said, I was making nine dollars an hour you think i can get a raise i said yeah minimum wage has gone up so let's talk after thanksgiving oh my gosh so yes you can get a raise jasper yeah never tell ken that minimum wage was you know i'm not sure that was on his radar and uh, you know i i've heard i don't know if anyone's told the other great stories about ken or has anyone been telling stories of driving alongside ken squire because I had a, uh, you know, I was I was a kid, didn't didn't know how to drive, and so he would give me rides sometimes. And little did I know what a harrowing experience that would be. I remember one time he drove all the way up, all the way up, you know, on Main Street in Waterbury before you get to the light to turn right on Stowe Street. He drove all the way up the street for really no reason on the like driving into oncoming traffic in the in the wrong lane. And, you know, until the very last minute and then swear, I thought, I swear to God, I thought we were going to get in a head on crash and then swerved to the right and, uh, got an angry response from another driver. So for a, for a motor racing announcer, he had to be the worst driver, you know, at any given racetrack on any given day. Well, Jasper, thank, thank you. Much appreciated. Condolences to you as well. I know Ken was like a family member to you just as much as all of us. So, uh, we appreciate your time this morning and, and best of luck in, in, in your future. Thank you guys and, and lots of love to everyone back, back at DEV today. I think your first introduction, Corm, to his driving, or at least the way we saw he drive, he was driving a Subaru, okay. came up, uh, parked it next to DEV across the street, so he's headed towards the uh, intersection of Maine and Stowe. And uh, next thing I think you said, why is Ken's car in the middle of the intersection? Right. Left and it in neutral. Where, where is Ken? <laughs> Apparently he left it in in neutral, in neutral, sure. and the car just rolled off. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that no was problem. Ken. That was the way he drove. 
I want to follow up on some of what Jasper was talking about because dad did have a talent with having kids on the radio with him. And I was one of those kids. I made my radio debut actually at his Hawaiian in pre Daytona 500 live show that he did every year during speed weeks at Daytona. He would have the drivers come. And when I was six years old, he made an introduction to the crowd and said, um, well, folks, we have AJ here tonight. There was a big cheer, and he said, it's not the AJ you think. <laughs> and my mother said, go sit next to your father. And I didn't know what we were doing, but I was game. And he did a whole interview about how do you like the races here at Daytona. And I said, they're okay. I like Thunder Road better. And that was my beginning. But he was great at bringing kids out. And then all of my children, when my daughter was all into Harry Potter. He had her come in and do a book review. And my older son was a lifelong Cubs fan, and he would have him call in with Cub scores. Yeah. And then I think most of all people remember my youngest, who is now about to be 17, who was the intrepid reporter for a while yeah. on the dump show. And uh, yesterday, one of the real touching moments was that each one of the children called and and talked to him, said that they loved him and shared a memory, you know, into his ear. And my youngest did say, my some of my best memories in my life are being on the dump show with you, grandfather. I'll never forget how great you made me feel. We will have a special edition of the dump show this Saturday, just uh, just to, in case you're wondering. Uh, Farmer Dave is getting geared up for it. I oh know boy. that. And, and Joel Nashman will be uh, hosting along with Greg, I believe. Oh, actually, Greg and I will be hosting along with uh, Farmer Dave. We're going to take a quick break. I know we got Mark Johnson on the line. We want to get to him. A couple more callers lined up as well. It is uh, 1028, and you're listening to a special edition of the dump, the dump show. Thank you. I wish it were. It'd be Saturday. From my viewpoint, we are remembering. Remembering the life of the one and only Ken Squire on WDEV. Well, if you haven't heard the news yet this morning, uh, our boss, our mentor, our legend, our friend, Ken Squire, passed away last night uh, at about 8.30 at Central Vermont Medical Center. Um, as I told Ashley, I think every morning I got up this week, I looked at my phone to see if there was a message, and there wasn't, which kind of surprised me, because we all knew that the time was coming. And Ken decided that the time was last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are going to miss him a lot, um, not just in this office, in our lives, on this radio station. He meant the world to so many people. Um, we're going to go back to the phones right now. I know we got Mark Johnson waiting. Mark, and we're going to get to you in a second, but I want to get to Matt in Northfield because he's been waiting for a long, long time. Good morning, Matt. Well, good morning. And my condolences to the whole family, the whole WDEV community for Ken Squire. God bless him. Um, I was one of the first ones to go live on the radio with Bean Chevrolet back way, oh, many, many years ago. And when I would get on the air and Ken was on the radio, you never know where the conversation was going to go. <laughs> there was no script, no nothing. And so you never know what we're going to talk about. And uh, whether it be cars or whatever, but it was we had so much fun together over the years, and uh, um, I we're going to miss him terribly. Wonderful, wonderful man. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that phone call this morning. Uh, so many people trying to call in. By the way, if you want to leave a message on our Facebook page, uh, we are being inundated. I know Ashley, your Facebook page and. 
uh, NASCAR everywhere. Is Lee still in the other room? I didn't know if, uh, Lee, you had anything you wanted to add to what you're seeing out there. I just wanted to add that uh, after hearing Matt Bean give uh, his discussion of how Ken set up the uh, sponsor calls, I've been doing it wrong all these years. Before I go on, I usually ask the sponsor, what do you want to talk about when we go on today? And now I know Ken never bothered with that. He just got him on and started talking about whatever. That, w- that would be Ken, yes. You know, one of my favorite memories of the 90th was seeing Mark Johnson uh, sitting on the couch with Ken, having a uh, a great discussion. Of course, there were many years that Mark hosted the Mark Johnson Show on WDEV. He's joining us live this morning. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. I may win the award for uh, calling in from furthest away. Um, I'm actually in Rome, Italy, so uh, late, late afternoon here, but I got the word this morning and was... Really sorry to hear that. I, I heard a couple of days ago that um, things were declining, and uh, um, I, along with everybody else, am really sad to hear the news. And um, my condolences to Ashley and the, and the whole family. He was a he was a great man. I mean, the word legend I think is uh, greatly overused these days, but he certainly fit the bill. And you know, for me, he was uh, he was a second father. So I'm grateful for you know all the wisdom and mentorship and um um uh chop busting that he did with me over the years um i love the man greatly you know i just once again i'll say it again just seeing the two of you sitting on that couch uh on stowe street when we celebrated our 90th you guys were in deep discussion and you, there was such a mutual admiration between both of you. He loved you. You loved him. And over those 20 years, I'm sure you have a few stories that maybe you would like to impart on us. Well, I think my favorite story is that uh, I had the opportunity to interview him on my show, and, and he was really quite gracious in allowing me to do that. I initially thought he'd say to me, oh, come on, give me a break. I'm not going to do that. And he um, granted me an opportunity with that. I wish I had. Um, I, I interviewed my mom at one moment on my show, who is one of the best shows I ever did, and I, I didn't have the opportunity to do it with my father. But uh, I asked Ken, and he was he was great about it. And I think really my favorite moment of that was I played the last five minutes of the infamous 1979 Daytona 500, which. I watched again earlier today, and I will tell you, um, I still get chills up my spine. This is the one where Richard Petty comes through at the end after Bobby Allison and Cale Yarborough bump um, side by side and wind up down in the infield in a fist fight. And I, you know, I think what really made Ken Squire special is sports is not something that you can script, and his ability, along with his co. Um, being able to you know, call that race to one of the most unexpected final um, laps in, in one of the greatest races of all time. I think I, somebody told me at one point it was the number one watched video clip on YouTube, and it's 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 brilliant. It's um, you know it's really Ken at his best, and to be able to sit in the studio, play it, and watch him listening to it again some you know 30 years later was really um, an incredibly special moment for me Uh, you know the other great story i have about ken is that i remember at one point um kind of later on um i wrapped up doing the show in 2015 and uh, i was probably around 
2010 or maybe a little bit after that, there was a show on on Vermont Public Radio, as it was called back then, um, that Jane Lindholm would do at noontime, and she had this really, you know, um, kick-butt producer, uh, Patty Daniels. And I remember I went to Ken at one point, um, you know, who's well-known for spending a lot of money. <laughs> and I said to him, you know, I, I really, you know, I think I'm kind of at a point in my career where I really deserve to have somebody help me do the show. You know, I'm doing two hours a day. Jane Wyndham's doing an hour a day. She's got this fantastic producer. And, you know, I really, I think I'm, I'm, it's about time that I got a producer, too. And he said, well, I have an idea. I'll be your producer. And I said, well, um, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, he really was great. He, we would get together once or twice a week, and he'd say, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you have that person on? And, you know, this morning when you had so-and-so on, you should have followed up and, and asked, asked them this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, the guy had just an incredible ear for radio and was able to, um, you know, we really did. I felt like that we were working as peers, and it was just a really, it was a really great gift that he gave me. I will say, you know, there were times, and it was not old age or anything, but, you know, I worked with him for pretty close to 20 years, and there were frequent occasions where he would, he rarely called me Mark. Uh, I was 9 to 11 guy. And, um, you know, I took that as a, as a, as a sign of endearment. But he was a, he really was truly just one of the, really important figures in my life in terms of broadcasting. He, you know, bought a radio station for me. I sold the radio station to him. I worked for him. And, um, you know, I, I, I love the man dearly. Mark, thank you. I know you're in Rome. Uh, and you, by the way, you do hold the record for longest phone call this morning for or God, most I distance. So. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be to call from Rome this morning. But, Mark, you were a fixture here for a lot, uh, a lot of years. I know a lot of people miss you still uh, and the quality work you did for all those years and uh, your work with Ken, obviously. And, and, and uh, I thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your memories about Ken. Well, I'll, I'm going to look to see if I can dig up the interview that I, I did with him at some point. And, um, you know, maybe I'll cut it up. I'm doing now a, some work with um, some folks at CAX and maybe cut it up into a podcast and, you know, share that with people. So um, please do send my best to the, the, the family and, um, you know, Godspeed. Thanks, Mark. Mark Johnson the host of the Mark Johnson Show for so many years here on uh, WDEV. All right, it's 1039. We are going to take a quick break. Uh, Travis Squire is going to join us right around the corner. We still have some people on the phone. Um, I was hoping to get in touch with Jack Donovan, but we're not able to, I'm guessing. Uh, we're not able to get in touch with him. Um, but um, we'll, we'll continue on here for about another 20 minutes or so. I know we've got Common Sense Radio coming up tonight, the Brady Farkas Show, all 90 minutes about Ken Squire. He's got some special guests lined up, including Dave Moody, and I'm sure Dave's got some great stories he's going to talk about as well. It's a special edition of Vermont Viewpoint as we remember Ken Squire on WDEV. We are back here as we uh, are remembering Ken Squire, who passed away last night at the age of 88 years old, and the tributes are everywhere. doesn't matter where you go on social media. They are everywhere. Um, people just fondly remembering um, Ken as a NASCAR announcer, Ken as an announcer, Ken as a regular guy 
walking down Stowe Street. I know you've got some more uh, memories, Kaya. I did. I found one on Facebook. Uh, they're, they're just loaded. This one comes from the official Dr. Demented show, okay? <laughs> uh, it says, most people know Ken Squire as a world-class auto racing announcer. I will have to uh, mute that. Uh, most people know Ken Squire as a world-class racing announcer from his work with NASCAR. Well, Ken was also the heir to a little radio station in Vermont, WDEV, where he hosted a show called Music to Go to the Dump By that played a selection of weird, mostly country music cuts, perhaps a New England counterpart of what Dr. Dementa was doing in California. He is now with Buster the Wonder Dog again. What a great tribute. What a great tribute. Well, Travis Squire is joining us now in studio. Good morning, Travis. And once again, from everyone here, our condolences, uh, thinking about you and your family members, and especially Ken this morning. Yeah. How are you doing? Good morning. Uh, I'm holding up okay, I guess. Uh, it was a long night last night uh, as we were down at, at, the, at Central Vermont. And, uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, I'm a bit numb, a bit crispy, but uh, doing okay. We were just talking before you went on that um, you've done everything in this radio station except for one show, right? The Green Mountain Ballroom. Can you name them all off at this point, what you did? I I don't know if I can, Uh, but I have come in. I've had to turn the station on before. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe... You was it you that trained me? Uh, uh, I tried. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I tried. I tried hard, Travis. I thought you did pretty it, well. It I mean, was a Sunday morning. It was. Yeah, you had some other activities you had been doing the evening before. Was, it, it made a rough morning. I was booked uh, on Saturday night. <clears throat> uh, these things happen. And, yes, uh, I, yes, I understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yep, that was a fun one. Uh, I got to actually turn the station on. And so, and this was new for me. Uh, and Kaya taught me, I think, how to do that. Um, you throw the switch and, and, and pray. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that worked. <laughs> Greg Titus is pointing to you because he's turned it on before. Right. We don't have that problem anymore. We're on 24 well, 7. Well, and the thing was, is that Sunday morning after, and mind you, when I started working here, I was young as well and lived in Stowe. So take it from there. And you would sign on with the news and then you would have God thundering in your ear for the next four hours. Yes. Uh, on the, on the church shows and the religious shows. And it just made a bad situation worse. My my impression is that was done on purpose. I think I think you're right. <laughs> right. Yeah, because whoever got that Sunday morning shift, they probably had spent a lot of time out. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's how it worked. <laughs> so. What are your What are your memories of this place, Travis? All, all the time you spent here. They go back to when it was. I mean, downstairs was uh, was my grandfather, and uh, Rusty was downstairs. Um, I can remember what Patty and ba- Pat and Barb and uh, I mean uh, ACT was just a little uh, office in the back downstairs at, uh, and it was always freezing in the winter. Those poor guys were down there with their parkas on, uh, <laughs> getting ready for the next race season coming up. Um, and of course, Dad's office was has always been right there as long as I can remember. I don't ever remember there not being an office there. Um, and and the station, I just I, I don't think I can remember 
there was always a station. I remember that Rusty had the the little device on his desk that actually showed you the beacons uh, on the towers. And as they blinked, he, this little device blinked along with it. I remember being pretty fascinated with that. As a, as a kid. I, I think uh, Tom Beardsley has talked about that little gizmo as well. It was neat. Yeah. It was a, it was a neat little okay. thing. Uh, and what? let's see, what stands out in my mind? I don't, uh, pretty much, what's funny is, I, yes, you. Only that you were telling a story last night about um, Dad's office, which was a place to which we were summoned at times as his children, and that Travis was telling a story last night about getting a call from Dad saying, need to speak to you, come down here. And you'd have to appear in his office to see what it was going to be. That, that was frequent <laughs> for me. Yeah, those summonses, uh, yeah, they were kind of frequent. Uh, that's a good Never point. funny, I'm guessing, huh? No. He it, wasn't I in mean, the mood to tell jokes at that point. You could try uh, your hardest to avoid a dad finding you. Uh, <laughs> that, no, he would eventually find you, and it was always, yeah. Yeah. Come on down and stop by the office. And be like, oh, boy. <laughs> yep. And I, that particular one, I, I would talk more about. I just don't know what the statute of limitations is. <laughs> on that one. Uh, yeah. What I, I remember one for me was, so they caught you going how fast down by the church? Oh. <laughs> Which was it lived life in a small town. I hadn't even gotten up yet, and I was summoned to discuss why I was speeding through the town of Waterbury the night before. Let the record show it would have been much faster if there wasn't a tractor in front of her. That, yeah. well, you, you learn that from your dad, though, right? Right. You know, well, certain certain kids learn language from their parents. You learn how to speak. Oh, and didn't I? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes. He had a, a very colorful palette. Uh, and, really? And, and, and a, he did. And a, you didn't. Yeah. Was a, I never a, noticed perhaps that. Perhaps a side of Ken you never saw. I'm not sure. <laughs> never saw uh, that. Yeah. Um, it made me a hit in school uh, through junior <laughs> high and whatnot. This is, of course, before Beavis and Butthead ever uh, took to the air. And so we just had us. And uh, I had my, you know, my arsenal from Ken that I would go in with. And uh, yeah. I don't know that it may be very popular with the teachers around the school system in Stowe, but amongst my peers, yeah, they they were shocked. Travis, thank you, and, and once again, we're we're really sorry about your loss. It's a great loss for many. Thanks so much. Jack Donovan is on the line. Oh, uh, you want to talk about a guy who's got some memories of over fifty years of working with Mister Squire, Mister Donovan. Good morning. Morning, uh, Corman. Uh, again, my condolences to Travis and uh, and Ashley and the whole family. Um, I worked 51 years with this guy. I can remember my first day as well as it was yesterday, 1972. My first show in the afternoon. I thought I did a pretty good job. <laughs> so I get down to his little office upstairs. He had an office at that particular time. He'd sit down there and you know, talk to folks. And then uh, he says, Jack. That was a great show this afternoon, but, 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 but you might want to weave in some of the big four. What do you mean the big four? I was playing Carlos and Tanner and James Taylor. Well, you got to work in Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, the four freshmen and that sort of thing to make the audience complete. 
and that's the way it was for 51 years. Every time I did a show and he came into the office, he would say, Jack, it was a great show this afternoon. <laughs> but, but, but. You know, my favorite part, Jack, and I've only been around for, you know, eight and a half years, was the bickering that would go on between you and him during the dump show. Um, some of it fun, some of it not so much fun. <laughs> Well, they, you know, whenever I went out in public when that show was on and we did it together, people would come up to me and say, boy, I love the show you guys did this morning. But how the hell can you talk to your boss that way? <laughs> and then the other side of that, the other one would say, how could you treat your employer that way? <laughs> that would be Ken's side, of course. But he loved that's it. That's what we heard. What? Yeah, he I know. Lo- we, he loved that interaction. Thought we, everybody thought we hated each other. Then he called me Thumbs Donovan because everything I did wasn't the right, correct way that he wanted it done. And then he would interrupt me and say, you know, would you give me that next piece of music? And it's down in the mezzanine. I can't go down in the mezzanine. We're doing the show. You know, the, the song will run out. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. But we had that going on, yeah, for quite a few years. But um, you're going to miss him, that's for sure. What is it you think, Jack? Um, you're going to take with you that, that, you know, you'll never forget about Ken. His sense of community. He loved Waterbury. He loved Vermont. Um, he was all over the uh, parades during the summertime, and uh, we had so many different floats over the years. We even had a music to go to the dump-by float one year with, with uh, Don Gamble, who was... Uh, a very, very popular figure in that show for many, many years. But he just loved meeting with, uh, with, the, with the community. He loved the car show each year. Just loved being out in the... He always would come back to to, to the hometown, the Waterbury, which he so dearly loved. Um, and, you know, as you know, he loved everything live, local, and relevant. That was the three things that uh, I can remember him far, as far as broadcasting, that's for sure. But he has so many fans in both both worlds, both the, the motor racing world and, of course, uh, in broadcasting, and particularly here in Vermont. And he'll be loved. He was loved and will be loved by many for many, many years. Just, um, you know, as I said, oftentimes people thought that we hated each other, but we really enjoyed each other's company, that's for sure. And music to go to the dump by uh, was the program that brought <laughs> brought us together but we also did sports in the afternoon for a number of years the afternoon news service i anchored that and he would come in with sports and one of the uh, things that i remember the most was he would call in from wherever he was whatever racetrack he was in the afternoon at around 5 15 or 4 15 when we did the sports at the time that he and buddy baker were looking for the holiday inn on some route somewhere he was trying to do this trying to do the show with me back and forth and uh, I could hear Buddy in the back saying, no, it's the next right. It's the next right, Ken. You're going to miss it. And this was all going on the air live while we were doing the sports in the afternoon. <laughs> and he did that a number of times over the years. It was just wonderful. Well, Jack, thank you. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning. I know Ken loved you. I know you loved him. Um, and, and those moments Absolutely. together over those 51 years are special, and we won't forget them. Um, yeah. Thanks, Corm. Thank Appreciate you. It. You know, I've I've said, uh, and I'm probably not the only one that said this. The love of Ken Squire's life, we're sitting in it. It's uh, it's WDEV, and how much he loved this place. Um, 
I know we're winding down here. We only have five minutes left, and this is probably not enough to honor Ken, and we will honor him moving forward. I wanted to bring Ashley back because people are asking what, what's, what's happening here over the next couple of days, couple of weeks, months. Um, I know you're, you haven't finalized anything, but give us a sense. Yeah, we, we have some work to do ahead to finalize our plans. Um, we are looking at a venue that's big enough. Uh, Dad actually was born in the apartment right over what was the V.L. Perkins Funeral Home. It's now Perkins Parker down the street in Waterbury. And, of course, he won't have it there. That would hold about 25 of us. So that's not going to work. Um, so we're looking at perhaps someplace like the Barry Auditorium sometime in the next month or so. That's about as far as our family has gotten in planning. I do also want to give a shout-out to uh, the Medical Center Hospital of Vermont. What a gem of a hospital we have in our community, from the emergency room team to the palliative care team to their link to Central Vermont Home Health and Hospice. They did not let us down at any point. They were there for him and for us. So we are really blessed, um, and I want that hospital to know how grateful our family is. I was walking out of there two days ago, and one of the nurses could see that I was struggling and came up to me and asked me, how's your friend doing? Mm. I said, not well. But the fact that somebody would just walk up Mm -hmm. saying that someone walking down the hallway was having a tough time, that meant a lot. And it goes to what you have to say about that staff. Right. And it was just the perfect, um, you know, Dad was all about this community of Central Vermont, and to be have him be so cared for and have us all be so cared for right in the heart of Central Vermont in that hospital was a gift. Uh, when that day does come, WDEV is going to do its best to broadcast um, it live for you because not everybody's going to be, be able to get there. Um, but you'll be able to listen to it, whether it's here in Waterbury or streaming somewhere. Uh, I know Ken has fans everywhere. And so we, uh, we're, we're committed to doing that when that day happens and we'll certainly let you know. Before we get out of here, I know Greg Titus, I don't know if you've got a, we've got a couple minutes left. I know you wanted to add something because you work with Ken as well back in the day. So, so two things. First off, um, we're talking about, uh, like Ken mentoring you. So one of the, so one of the smartest things he ever said to me was when interviewing, he said, listen, because what happens a lot of the time is you come into the interview with a list of questions and then you're not paying attention to the folks that are responding. And Ken thrived on that back and forth, right? He may have had an idea going into something. But, boy, if he saw something else, he would take advantage of it. And the other thing, so I started here in 77. That was when Ken was gone 40 weeks a year. So Ken would come back in every three or four weeks, and he'd always have ideas. I heard something on KHJ Radio in Los Angeles, and we should be doing that here. So the rule was, if Ken gave you a project, if it was a little sketchy, you could sort of put it on the back burner. But if he asked you about it the next time he came back, it meant that he remembered it and you better get on it. So, yeah, that was that was Ken. To a T. <laughs> Lee Cattell, any any final thoughts? Well, I'm grateful for the fact that I got to sit at the feet of the master for many years around here because 
I mean, I went to a broadcasting school and thought I was going to be something special, but I really, education really came in. You can sit at a classroom for a long time, or like Jasper Goodman spent four years at Harvard. He learned far more at this radio station about broadcasting, spending 10 minutes at a time every week on the air with Ken, than he ever learned at that Ivy League school. A great education right here in this building. All right, Kaya. I'll miss him. As somebody said, he, he took the final, uh, final flag in the big track and Godspeed, Kenley. You will be missed. And I just want to say thank you to Ken because, uh, <clears throat> he embraced me from day one. I was not, you know, a, a member of this team until about eight and a half years ago, but he took me under his wing. Um, I remembered Greg, him bringing up ideas and you'd sit there and wonder. And um, you'd kind of let it pass unless it came up again, and then you knew it was dead serious. Um, to his final day, he would say, do you need anything? Do you need anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have lost the last great American storyteller, Ken Squire, passing away last night at the age of 88. Thank you, everyone.